Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. There are only two kinds of people in the world. The first group is made up of the people we love. I mean, these are people who make life worthwhile. If you're lucky, maybe it's your family. Or maybe you found these people as you journeyed through life. But these are people we admire, people we learn from, people we enjoy, people that we want to be around. Now, they may be smart and beautiful and funny, but they're also humble and generous and loving. And wouldn't it be great if we could just spend all of our time around people like that? But you can't. Because there's a second category of people, people who drive us crazy, right? People who have annoying habits, people who talk too much or talk too little, people who are too sloppy or too neat or too pushy or too passive or who watch stupid shows or only documentaries, you know, people who are grumpy or clingy or moody. Now, the problem is not that there are just these two kinds of people. The problem is that sometimes they overlap. Sometimes people who are in the first circle eventually end up in the second circle. I love you, but you're driving me crazy. And in fact, over the last few months, we've experienced the potential for the people we love to also be the people who drive us crazy with greater intensity than ever before. Why? Well, because we're together a lot. You know, we're all participants in this global experiment on forced closeness. And this means a lot more intimacy. You know, culture watchers are already predicting that in nine months, we'll see a flock of what they're calling Corona babies. And by the year 2033, there will be a whole generation called quarantines, T-E-E-N-S. And that's such a brutal dad joke that you can just imagine those little fetuses rolling their eyes right now. But not only are babies on the rise in a lot of relationships, tension and pressure are on the rise too. I mean, parents are stressed out. There was a huge surge of divorce applications in many parts of the world when the virus first hit. One divorce attorney said in the news, it's like this, they're putting all their issues in a frying pan and turning up the heat. And the more time they spend together, the more they have to hate about each other. At the beginning of the virus, divorce became the number one most searched term on Google. Now, one couple didn't want to fight in front of their kids, so they sent hostile emails to each other, sitting just a few feet apart. I mean, this forced closeness has meant that it's a lot harder for us to hide the wrong that we're doing. A man from a small town in Argentina bragged to his friends that he cheated on his wife with a woman who just returned from Europe, and they reported him. Not to his wife, but to the mayor. And the whole town got put on lockdown because of him. See, he was the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in his province. It seems that during this virus, your sins will find you out. And then there's something called the Corona Coaster. You heard of this? It's the emotionally draining highs and lows of sheltering in place. Here in Texas, we opened back up a bit and then pulled back again and Parents with kids at home have told me, you know, 
one minute, I think my children are magical. And then the next minute, I wish I knew magic so I could make them disappear. They're driving me nuts. See, there's this unique kind of emotional exhaustion to all of this, and it contributes to tension. And the truth is this, given enough time and enough closeness, here's what you discover. Everyone in the first circle is also in the second circle. There are some people who drive me crazy who I don't love, but there's nobody, no matter how much I love them, who won't drive me crazy given enough time and enough forced closeness. So I decided it was time to do a series on tension in community. Now, community is a real important word for everybody, but it's particularly important for Christians because we believe that community is actually the purpose and the destiny of the whole universe. One writer, Dallas Willard, put it like this, God's aim in human history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as the ultimate sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. As we're living in forced closeness, it's kind of like being in a global lab experiment in human relationships. Uh, we don't have anywhere to run or hide or escape. Now, this won't last forever, so we shouldn't waste this extraordinary moment in time to grow spiritually. God wants to use this time to grow you and I into more loving people. And of course, conflict in relationships, it's not a new problem. We're just very aware of it in this season because of being together so much. But human beings have had a hard time getting along since Cain killed Abel in the beginning of Genesis. And that naturally raises the question, why do people drive us crazy? Why? Well, the answer is simply this. People drive us crazy because people are just the worst. Okay, no, that's the wrong answer. All right, the right answer, the answer of the Christian faith is the exact opposite. People drive us crazy because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Not because there's something wrong with them. Of course, there is something wrong with them. But part of the problem is that I am much more likely to see what's wrong with you than I am to acknowledge what is wrong with me. And, and there's a massive body of secular research that confirms this. Things like self-serving bias, fundamental attribution error, selective memory. Jesus' brother, James, analyzed it like this. This is James 4, 1 to 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and fight. James is diagnosing the virus that attacks community. The words fights and quarrels in the Greek, polemoi and makai, are actually really serious words. They can either mean hostility in an emotional way or outright physical violence. Now remember, he's writing to a church and he actually says, you kill. Again, to a church. And there's no indication that he's being metaphorical here. These people are having real conflict. James, the brother of Jesus, knew that his brother was a victim of religious violence. And the apostle Paul, very famous person in the Bible at the beginning of his story, he was a part of killing a man named Stephen in the book of Acts. And what's more, Jesus is very clear that if you manage to avoid murdering somebody, it doesn't mean you're off the hook. Because the dynamic that leads to murder, it's the same dynamic that leads to coldness, withdrawal, 
sarcasm, contempt, divorce, abuse, neglect, and cruelty of all other kinds. This dynamic is deep and mysterious, but it's not complicated. It's about desires. See, I have desires. I want something. And desires are always attached to a particular object. I want this food. I I want this job. I want this kind of recognition. I want this amount of money. If you're a parent of small children, you probably want six minutes to yourself right now. Now, We all have desires, and those are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. The problem is desires are inherently conflictual. That's why James says they battle. Another violent word. They're at war within you. And one of the characteristics of desires is that they don't pay attention to each other. Desire doesn't step back and ask what is good, what's best. Desire simply says, I want, I want. So my desires are always going to be in conflict with your desires. Now, I just turned 55 this year. So naturally, I'm finding new ways to hurt myself. Right, I have a degenerative disc in my neck that I aggravate continually. My sciatica is constantly causing me grief. The list goes on and on. And during this pandemic, my wife very innocently took the last of the Advil. You know, she felt it was fair game because it was in our shared home. And I thought it was clearly mine because I've been complaining so much about my neck and my back. And you see, that's how desire works. Conflicting wants create warfare. And in this season of forced closeness, your desires and my desires are bumping up against each other all the time. So we have wars, Advil wars and home office wars and budget wars and clean the bathroom wars. And, and children are no different. They're dominated by desire. Now, you might have seen this in Wells County, Utah. The district attorney, Christopher Allred, said that a state trooper saw an SUV swerving all over the road. So he pulled him over. And often that's a drunk driver, right? But in this case, it was a five-year-old boy behind the wheel. He was sober, but he was five. His parents had no idea. He was getting bored during shelter in place. So he got into the family SUV and decided to drive to California to buy a Lamborghini. He didn't ask, is this wise? Is this good? Can I drive a car? He just said, I want a Lamborghini. And he got in the car and made it three miles before they stopped him. Now, Allred said he won't face any charges, but he closed his press statement by saying that maybe Oprah will buy this kid a Lamborghini. Now, Oprah, if you're listening, I say do it. So one big reason people are driving you crazy is simple. You're a sinner. Now, lots of people think sin is a word that means God is narrow-minded or judgmental. That's not at all what it means. Sin is basically just mistreating God's creatures. In particular, mistreating human beings who are made in God's image. You can't mistreat God's creatures and be okay with God. God's really clear about this. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. My basic task in life is to grow in my capacity to love, which means to will and to work for the good of others. It's a great definition of love, to will and to work for the good of others. In fact, that brings us to a second and more encouraging reason people may be driving you crazy. The first is that I'm a sinner, and so are they. But the second is that God is at work in you to help grow your capacity to love. 
And one of the ways he does that is to bring people into your life who irritate you so that you can learn to love under challenging conditions. First grade in the school of love is loving people you find lovable. Second grade in the school of love is loving people you find unlovable. And third grade in the school of love is to stop telling people which category they're in. You know, Jesus put it like this, Matthew 5, 44 to 48. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you're to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. So if you're stuck at home with someone who irritates you every once in a while, congratulations. God is growing you right now. And if you hear nothing else from this talk, in your moments of stress, ask God to grow you. Say, Jesus, this moment is so hard for me. Please work in my heart. Make it a bit more like yours. And if you have an irritating person in your life, well, you're on your way. Now, if you don't have an irritating person in your life, you can contact the church, right? We keep a list of irritating people. We'll connect you with one. You'll be scheduled on a Zoom call later this evening. Now, sometimes I think people get a romanticized view of Christian community as if it's just likable people getting together and liking one another all the time. That's not at all the case. Henry Nouwen wrote, community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. You know, Jesus had a community of 12 and all 12 of them irritated Jesus. He spent a big chunk of his time lecturing them. They argued and postured all the time. And in the end, they all abandoned or doubted or denied him. In fact, one of the 12 betrayed Jesus and yet Jesus still made space for him. See, that person is always in community, always. And for some people, maybe for people I love, maybe for a lot of people I love, that person could be me. Think about that. So this week, I want to give you two practices for living in community as we launch this series. And you'll be well served to practice them daily. First is this, forgiveness. We have to learn forgiveness. And that begins with learning to extend forgiveness to others. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. you know, we're living in a season where there's a lot of uncertainty and fear. What will happen to the economy? What will happen to my job, my business? Are, are these restrictions really necessary? Is, is this practice safe? And there's anger all over the place, right? Anger about the government, anger from the left and the right towards each other. We traffic in it. We indulge in it. We cultivate outrage. I mean, it's on our screens. It's in our homes. And then we're shocked when it boils over into our dining rooms. What causes these fights and quarrels, James asks? It's our own selfish desires. And once those spill over into anger, hatred, quarrels, then what? We either hold a grudge or we forgive. Hold a grudge or forgive. Wrongdoing is going to happen, but what do we do about it? 
You know, authentic Christian community is not marked by abnormally low levels of wrongdoing. Authentic Christian community is marked by abnormally high levels of forgiveness seeking. See, there's no healing without forgiveness. Now, the second part of learning about forgiveness is asking for forgiveness, seeking it out. And the great thing about asking for forgiveness is that not only does it help to repair relationships, it helps me a bit more, make myself into a bit more the person I want to be. It helps me be a little less likely to make the same mistake the next time. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Again, Henry Nouwen wrote this. It's so important that we keep forgiving one another, not once in a while, but in every moment of life. Before you've had your breakfast, you will have had at least three more opportunities to forgive someone. And then that makes me think that they'll have three chances to forgive me too. So I must learn to seek forgiveness. And it starts with two words, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The problem is those two words can be kind of cheap if they're not used properly. They can sound like, I'm sorry you're offended, even though it wasn't my fault. Or, I'm sorry I got caught. So I want you to learn to use this phrase, these words. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'm sorry, will you forgive me? You may not have said that in a long time. Why don't you practice saying that out loud right now at home? I'm sorry, will you forgive me? If there's someone else with you in the room, maybe you can practice saying it to them right now. Now, you might be asking yourself this question, what if the other person is unreasonable or, or won't forgive me or misconstrues what I say? Okay, all those things might be possible, but they aren't your issue. And that's their issue. I mean, I don't have to control how other people think about me. Somebody put it like this, the version of me that you created in your mind is not my responsibility. I have enough work on my hands just being responsible for how I think, how I behave. Practicing forgiveness doesn't mean pretending that the other person's perfect or avoiding hard conversations. It means loving people enough to plunge courageously into the hard conversations and then asking for forgiveness when we get it wrong. And in this strange season, it might be the best opportunity we've ever had to cultivate the virtue of a humble and forgiving spirit. The first spiritual practice of community is forgiveness. The second spiritual practice of community is acceptance. Romans 15, seven says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Forgiveness is needed because often we're just wrong. Acceptance is needed because often we're just weird. A forced closeness, you know, that actually goes way back before COVID-19. It started when Jesus put a bunch of people together who normally couldn't stand each other. And then he told them to live as a family. The church in Rome, for example, had Jewish people who had been raised to think of Gentiles as pagan, idolatrous, uncircumcised, wicked, immoral dogs. And the Gentiles were raised to think that Jewish people were strange, hyper-religious, separatist, unpatriotic legalists. Imagine bridging that divide. Now, you may have noticed that you don't have much trouble accepting your own weirdness. But if you get married, you quickly discover that your spouse has these annoying habits that they carefully hid while you were dating. And then if you join a church, you'll learn that everybody's weird. And there's this great, odd Old Testament story where King David is captured by the Philistines. 
And so he pretends to be crazy before the king as a self-defense. And the king of the Philistines says to his servants in 1 Samuel 21, 14 to 15, behold, you see the man behaving as a madman. Why do you bring him to me? Do I like madmen that you have brought this one to act the madman in my presence? <laughs> Nobody lacks madmen. But the great problem with all the human race is that people simply cannot get along across religious and ethnic and gender and cultural differences. But Jesus has called us all into a different kind of community, a community where everyone is accepted, where people who otherwise would be enemies instead embrace as friends, a community that says, Jesus has accepted me just the way I am. So how could I ever reject anyone if I've enrolled in the school of Jesus's radical acceptance? A community where people on the outside notice and say, man, this God must really be something. I'd like to get in on this. When we're living in that kind of a community, then we are truly accepting one another as Christ accepted us. And that brings praise to God. And in the end, it'll transform the world. In this strange season, let's grow towards Jesus's way of community. This week, practice using words that communicate acceptance. Notice people, care about them, welcome them, learn from them, thank God for them. See what God sees in them, celebrate them. Every person was made in the image of God. When you see that image of God in them and you name it, you breathe life into them. About a month ago, I had someone breathe life into me. I was talking to a close friend of mine just to see how he was doing. He caught me up on his situation. Then he asked me, how are you doing? Yeah, I know you've been facing some big time challenges. How are you? And I told him about some of the challenges going on in my personal life, church life over the past six months, but also how I've seen God at work in incredible ways, even in the midst of my hardships. And when I was done, he talked about the strength he saw in me and told me about how well I was leading through this challenging time, how much he admired me. I wasn't feeling it at all at the time. But afterwards, it was like God confirmed what he said in my spirit. And it built me up big time. And I'm sure my friend had no idea how much I needed encouragement in that moment. See, every human being carries the image of God. Every human being was made by God, is loved by God, and has infinite value in God's eyes. In fact, Jesus died for every human being you encounter in life. So they deserve to be welcomed and embraced and loved by all of us. God loves every person you meet, and he can teach you to love them too. And if you'll begin to practice this kind of community, if you'll live with a spirit of forgiveness, if you'll extend a spirit of acceptance, your relationships will grow deeper. Your character will grow to be more humble. Your heart will grow lighter. Your conscience will be clear. Your workplace will be healthier. Your friendships will be stronger. People will be happier while you're alive and sadder when you die. And people will see this in your life and say, that's different, that's attractive. I want a piece of that. So get to it, people. Accept and forgive those around you and make a difference in your little world. Let's pray. Lord, that's my prayer for my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
that in this crazy season, we would recognize that the conflict we encounter, the tensions that we have in community with other people, they begin with us, our own evil desires, our own selfishness, as James says. And then it extends beyond that because you bring people into our lives who are challenging to love, people who drive us crazy to grow us, to teach us how not just to love those that are so lovable, but to love those who we find unlovable, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. You are working in our lives to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. So Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that we would learn to forgive as you have forgiven us, that we would learn to accept others as you have accepted us. You are an all-inclusive God. You love everyone. You accept people where they are. And I pray that we would learn to emulate that because apart from that acceptance and the ability to forgive, we will never have healthy relationships. So God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to do these things. In Jesus' name. Amen.